Hey everyone, Bob WP here, episode 123 of Do The Woo Podcast. This week we are again listening in on the WooCommerce Roundtable. We brought in Clara Lee, who is leading the product marketing at WooCommerce.com. And if I could tell you everything that went on in this conversation, I believe I would be here for another 20 minutes. But instead... If you've been wanting to hear from somebody on the WooCommerce marketing team, what they're doing, you know, what's in the future, and a lot what lies behind things like the acquisition of MailPoet, uh, their WooCommerce payments, on and on and on. This is the one for you. So tune in, listen to the Woo panelists, dive into a very lively conversation with Clara. Hello, welcome. Welcome to this WooCommerce Builder Community event, the Woo Brand Table with special guest Clara Lee. And we have our panelists, Robbie Jacoby and Robbie Adair as well. My name is Ronald. I am the partnership manager at uh, YIF. Um, this week we have Clara who works for, um, well, the, well, it's the marketing. Clara, can you introduce yourself? Of course. Uh, I lead product marketing at WooCommerce. Um, for the benefits of this conversation, you can just think of me as marketing in general. But, um, you know, I've been with Woo for about two years and, you know, very excited to see the progress we've made in that time and uh, very excited about the progress we have going forward as well. So um, I'm based in Seattle, Washington, and I'm super excited to connect with this group. I've watched a couple of past uh, episodes. And so, you know, I think it's really fun to be in the purple chair um, and, you know, excited about where our conversation takes us today. Wait, so you've watched a couple episodes and you're still excited to be in the purple chair. <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> I, I want to confirm for the record. <laughs> no, I thought I, I caught the episodes with Jonathan as well as with Warren. And, you know, I thought the topics were very wide ranging and interesting. And so I'm um, Curious to see where we go today. Everything about what's happening behind the scenes at WooCommerce. Um, but I'm not alone. I've got Robert uh, and Robbie. Robert, let's start with you because I think we need to talk about something here. Yes. Uh, the Bears football schedule is terrible this year. I mean, we start off with a couple of really lame games. Oh, not football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, make it breaking news. I'll make my breaking news. I am now the director of WordPress at Cloudways. So overseeing strategy, partnership, community, all these many things. So it's very exciting. And I could not be uh, more proud and happier to be a part of that team. Yeah. Um, so what happens to robertjacoby.com? Because that's, of course, the my main news source where I get all the breaking news from. Is that going to continue? Absolutely continuing. And in fact, we'll probably get more regular as uh, I finally get a little more settled in. But uh... Great. That's well, really exciting. I'm, I'm really keen to well, hear more about the plans and so on, but I'm sure that that will come in the, in the next few weeks, months, actually. But uh, it seems exciting. Um, Robbie, you're there. Well, I, congrats, Robert, by the way. Um, and uh, yes, I'm Robbie, uh, and I'm with OS Training, where we do web development training. And we obviously train WooCommerce, which is why I'm I'm here and uh, love talking to our guests and finding out all that we can, all the goods about WooCommerce. <laughs> Great. So, Clara, can you paint a picture of, first of all, your day 
you know, what does it look like? What do you do? How do you get started? How do you get motivated and drive the team, the marketing team um, to do amazing things? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say no day looks the same. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's kind of hard to describe a, a framework for it. But, um, you know, we'll say over the over the past couple of years, the team has grown in a really constructive and sustainable sort of way. And so, um, we're at this point um, organized into some clear functions. And so there's always a mix of sort of strategic um, uh, activity happening with the product teams. You know, we sit in on a lot of the meetings around um, shaping our payments product or thinking about the future of shipping or how do we make it easier for merchants to onboard and set up a new store? You know, we sit in these types of meetings and have a perspective that comes from, you know, the the, the customer and, and their needs. Um, I would say there's also a part of the day that's devoted to um, executing marketing. And so that's a combination of sort of project managing the creative, um, writing the copy and uh, making sure that it all fits within the overall WooCommerce narrative. And so um, there is sort of that tactical and execution piece of things. And then lastly, I would say, um, you know, we are continuing to grow the team. So I will at some point in this uh, live stream plug the fact that we're hiring, but um, we are we are growing. And, and so I do spend a fair amount of time uh, looking at uh, potential candidates, speaking with candidates, and really understanding what makes them excited about WooCommerce and the opportunity that we, the opportunities, plural, that we have um, open at the moment. So, you know, again, no day's the same, but I would say at a very high level, um, that's, that's some of what's going on for the marketing team. The the marketing marketing team, how is it sort of split up in different groups? Or is it one team that pretty much manages everything or have you have certain groups that specialize in a particular field or work on a specific project. How, how could we sort of imagine this? Within WooCommerce, we um, are a team, um, and I would say we work together really well. Um, part of that is we are still small, especially compared to the amount of revenue we generate and the number of users that are supported on the platform. We are actually very small <laughs> compared to that footprint um, out there, but um, I would say, you know, being small, you can't have anyone that's too specialized. And we really rely on this sort of attitude of e even if it's not really in your job description, just rolling up your sleeves and getting it done, especially, you know, just working on a global team where we're not quite all in the office, so to say, at the same time, you have just things that have to happen. And, you know, it may be within your time zone, maybe not. Um, and so I think what's great about the team um, and what I'd say about Wu in general is that there's this spirit of let's just pick up what needs to get done and, and you know, quickly prioritize it and make it happen. To answer your question, uh, individuals on the team do have strengths, um, but at the end of the day, we're all one team. And I have a question, Ronald, I'm going to pop in while she's still on this, that stream, um, you, because you've been there two years. So you were there pre-pandemic, but you said that your team is is international and, and distributed, not necessarily in the office, but where you guys, did you have a core team in the office before the pandemic and then you went remote or have you always been remote with this team? Yeah, we've always been remote. Um, and so I'm glad you bring up the pandemic because it's been so interesting, actually, to watch other companies have to transition to this model. Um, what I've appreciated about being at Automatic in particular is 
Um, number one, we already had the tools that we knew worked for this kind of asynchronous collaboration. And those tools uh, on a daily basis are Slack. They're also uh, our internal blog system called P2. Um, and then we have a few other we have a few other things um, in the toolkit. But you know, the tools work really well. Um, everybody tunes into the same channels. And so, you know, very few balls are dropped, I find. I would say the the more important aspect of being able to collaborate remotely is is the culture. Um, and I'm I'm really thankful for Automatic being set up as fully remote from the beginning. Um, I do know WooCommerce pre-acquisition definitely had a, a workspace in Cape Town. And I, I do think they potentially may still have that space or, or some sort of entry right to it. So I know there, there used to be a space, but it's, you know, not a requirement. Um, it's there if you want to use it. And, and we have that set up in, in many cities where the, I think Automatic has some sort of licensing agreement with specific spaces where, you know, if you want, you can you can pop in for quick co-working experience. Obviously, that wasn't available during the pandemic. <laughs> um, but things are opening back up again. But while we're on the pandemic, and you guys, when you are putting that marketing into action, did you find that you guys were having to go out on different channels than you were before? Because of so many more people online, and in so many different places online? Did it change your marketing footprint out there? Well, it definitely accelerated growth for sure. So, um, you know, it, I, I count myself as one of the lucky ones to have been in an in industry that was um, positively impacted by COVID. There, there aren't many industries out there like that. And um, when I think about what 2020 did and just sort of the, the movement and the stories and the, the customers who have um, become known to us throughout the year, it's, it's pretty incredible to be at a company and part of a platform and part of a community where someone can say, oh, shoot, I no longer have the opportunity to sell out of my, my retail store or, oh, you know, it doesn't, I can't afford rent on my showroom anymore. Or, hey, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to take my product and extend it to global audiences. Um, it's pretty incredible to, to be able to offer that as an opportunity to people as so many people have had to just sort of change their lives and their businesses um, in the last year. And so I would say from a channel standpoint, um, with the uh, increased, uh, I would say bandwidth on the team with our growth, we've been able to definitely lean into lean into um, some of our strategic channels more. So email has always been really powerful for us. Our newsletters have a really strong readership and, you know, tactically just a very high open rate and click rate. Uh, with that said, you know, email is, is just one form of communication. And so having that as a very strong base um, and sort of our bread and butter, we've also done a lot in the past year with in-product messaging. So that's, you know, inbox notifications, just-in-time messages, um, and things that really catch you at the moment that you might be doing something in your store backend, or you might be you know, thinking of a question like, how do I, how do I ship this new kind of product and being able to surface the right product or the right content or the right guidance at, at the right time has been really important for us. I would say um, the other area where we're nascent, but, um, you know, I'm trying hard to make a push is in, in press, because I think we have um, such an important story to tell. Uh, that's not just, um, that's not, 
you know, I think we've stuck to mostly tech industry publications in the past, but mm -hmm. I am curious this year to extend beyond that um, because I think the story is so relatable even outside of the industry. And so we we did a few press releases last year around um, our payments product, around CBD business offerings. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we just, we have a lot to talk about this year. So I look forward to using press as a strategic channel more often. Nice. Okay, so to cut off Ronald again, uh, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on something, we kind of went back and forth in the chat prior to the panel. And I'm very curious about where the marketing focus, because that's where you're at, really is at. Is it at, we're going to make sure that developers know that we're the best open source e-commerce platform out there? Or is it really to target uh, the the greater business space? So when people say Shopify, they it's now a comma WooCommerce as opposed to just Shopify or just, uh, you know, big commerce. So now it's, now it's part of that sentence. So decision makers who aren't necessarily, uh, can I, can I say this word engineers? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that it goes further up the food chain and sort of the decision-making process. I'm curious, you know, where the focus is and I'll hedge this by saying, I still think it's very, you know, de developer engineer focused and I would like to see it. No. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, I uh, Because the team is still small, we've had to pick a focus. And um, so right now we're very focused on merchants. Um, just at a very high level, our, our teams are aligned to different parts of the value chain for the merchants. So there's a team that's focused on you know, how do I help a new store get up and running and make their first sale in 28 days? Then there's a team that's focused on what tools and skills and services can we offer a merchant so that they can grow their business so they can get out there on Instagram, Facebook, Google, um, so that they can, you know, easily automate emails and, you know, run a sale, manage coupons, etc. There's a team focused on growth. Third, there's a team um, that is really looking at transacting and how do we make that the seamless, the most seamless experience possible, both for shoppers you know, to reduce cart abandonment, but also for merchants, you know, if you're managing your finances um, and trying to, you know, get a hold of your business and and take care of, you know, disputes or chargebacks or whatever, um, how do we make that as simple and intuitive as possible? And then there is also a team that's focused on shipping. So if you've got a supply chain and if you've got a physical product that you need to get from point A to point B, you know, what are your options? Um, what is, most people ask, what is the most cheap option? <laughs> so whether you're optimizing for expenses or speed or whatever, you know, how can we surface the right option for you and, and make that, you know, really valuable for you as, as a shipper? So, um, you know, at a high level, those are, those are, that is how our team is organized. It's really organized by the functions that a merchant would have to take to run their business. There's definitely an argument for having dedicated marketing resources focused on the developer market. Just at a high level, if I look at our data, um, we see that about 60% of our stores are uh, managed by um, store owners, uh, you know, the people who own the business, um, who founded the business, etc. And then there's another 40% that has some sort of um, coverage from third parties, whether that's um, a developer or 
uh, an agency, a technical partner um, could also be a freelancer. And so there's that as well. And so I'm totally shocked. I'm shocked by those numbers, Clara. I would have definitely thought you would have said the opposite, like 60% oh. <laughs> managed by agencies or developers and 40 by store owners. So I'm really, really surprised by those numbers. Wow. Yeah. That ties into to my question that it's not the engineers who are making the decisions, you know. You're right. How, how do we expect? Because I think that's the right place to be. I like the number of 60, 40 business owners and whatnot making that decision. How do we expand that in the WooCommerce space? Of course, you have to have the engineers on board for sure, because who's going to do the you know heavy lifting? Right, right. But uh, I, you know, I like the idea of getting you know the Woo brand. Oh, and did we like totally miss the giant pink elephant in the room that now there's a Woo.com? <laughs> Uh, you know, it doesn't go anywhere yet. Wink, <laughs> wink. Um, yeah, so I'm guessing you saw the Twitter update as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. It's very exciting from our perspective. Um, there's a lot of ideas about what to do with it. I we we haven't settled on one or another, but I think we're have been obviously trying to get this for many many years. <laughs> and so this is a, a win for the team overall. And I I hope you'll see more happening with that in in the coming months. Just to go back to the the store owner versus developer conversation, you know, what I was speaking about when we talk about the 60-40 is, is the sheer number of stores. What needs to be done as, and what my team is working on is actually looking, taking a closer look at the stores because, um, you know, my guess would be that some of the stores that have developer support um, or are run by developers, you know, they might be larger or more effective, or they may be focused in certain industries that need a little bit more support, um, or they may be um, more productive, they may be more generative, maybe they have more products, etc. So I think there's still a lot of analysis to be done. We know from some of the qualitative interviews that we've done with builders, that they're enormously influential, very, very influential in terms of platform choice, very influential when it comes to extensions, plugins, etc. And so that's absolutely, you know, the 60-40 is one thing, but, you know, there, there is definitely a case to be made for more developer support um, or more developer marketing focus as the team grows. Um, you know, I know we have one developer advocate, Alan Smith, who's who's part of the team, and he does a great job. It's a hard job for one person. But, you know, my hope for 2021 and 2022 is that 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 function scales as well. Hopefully we'll have him on the chair as well soon. I, I've got one more question sort of related to the uh, to the onboarding of the sort of the merchant. So how do you focus on getting so if somebody is 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 wanting to open a, an e-commerce store online? You know, you have the various different options, Shopify, maybe Wix and WooCommerce. And how does WooCommerce position itself that it becomes a viable and probably more attractive option for the person to choose? I think that's a great question. And, you know, it's well-timed because that's something we're very much working on right now from a marketing perspective. We've done a ton of qualitative research, interviews with merchants, um, everyone who, from someone who's selling $20,000 of knickknacks to, you know, a, a Caribbean grocery store that runs a $3 million business. Um, we've done a ton of interviews. And I think if I scan our, our main competitor list, uh, Shopify is the one that, you know, they've got a major brand out there. What I've heard anecdotally in interviews is, 
I can't, you can't not check them out because they're just everywhere. You know, you go on Google, you go on YouTube, anyone who's researching would be aware <laughs> of Shopify because they, they own um, a lot of ads in that space. They have a ton of content. And so, you know, that's something that they've done a really great job at awareness. I would say that. Um, I would say Wix is, is something that um, they've done a really strong job at appealing to people who don't maybe have online e-commerce experience. So there's, um, I would, I would, what I found in interviews is this person tends to be a bit more humble and saying, and, and one that says like, well, I need the templates. I need the structure. I need the guidance. Cause I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just trying to sell apple pies or I'm just trying to sell, you know, th these baby products that I made in my, in my garage. And, you know, I, I want someone else to just give me the structure and, and, you know, I'll, I'll push through it. Um, then we see Squarespace, which has a unique appeal actually to people who um, are, are very creative and design minded. They have in some ways anchored well to sort of a high end or an upscale feel. So anyone who's sort of in luxury products or premium services might be attracted to that. Um, you know, I, I acknowledge that from a design perspective, some of their stores are just gorgeous. And so, um, you know, we've got these players that we're watching out there who have sort of entrenched themselves in, in some, you know, very noticeable and quickly knowable um, advantages. Uh, I think one thing that comes out in our customer interviews time and time again is why people love WooCommerce is, is this ability to customize. And so that's what we're leaning into right now is being able to customize, customization. I think the challenge there is some types of customization do require skill. You know, they do require a comfort with code or knowledge of, um, you know, what can be done in the back end, uh, what can be hacked, et cetera. And so, you know, that's, there's a, there's a balance there. Um, but, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people who say, you know, this checkout screen isn't what I need it to be. Or, um, you know, this, this part of my site is just like the, the product catalog just doesn't work for what I need to be able to express um, in my locality and for this type of product. And so, you know, that is something that we're looking to figure out more tangibly right now. Can I just stop you there? Because that you, you made a really good point there. And this is exactly what I often get at, at, at Meetup. At, uh, I run the uh, co-host the London WooCommerce Meetup. It's, it's maybe good to, you know, easy to onboard. You know, you go to a host. It's very easy to install WooCommerce and add a few plugins. And then you get into this, this cycle of, I want this, I want that. And uh, it doesn't quite look right. What could be done or what would we just suggest? Or what are you working on? That, you know, that struggle from putting it all together to actually making that first sale, you know, there's there's a wide scope of um, you know issues that that or problems that people have to solve. Yeah, how can you streamline that? Yeah, yeah. So one of the benefits of the Woo platform is we don't charge a startup fee. So if you look at a lot of these other platforms, some of them offer like a seven day or a fourteen day trial period, and after that, you're you're being charged for just trying to figure out and set up your store, you know, some stores are pretty straightforward, and you can set it up and bet all of that in the 14 day period. But you know, if this is like, a side hustle or a hobby, or, you know, maybe you're just someone who needs a little bit more time figuring out exactly what you want out of the an e commerce experience, or how to translate your vision into a, a, an actual store. Um, like you'll, you'll, 
at some point start paying um, for the use of a separate platform. And so I do think like uh, the absence of upfront fees does make that barrier of entry easier for some people. I would say from a customization standpoint, um, there's a lot that can be there. You're right. There's a lot that can be done. I think a big part of customization is our extensions marketplace. And so that marketplace over time has grown a lot. And, um, you know, the team there is very strategic about their pursuits. Um, you know, what areas they're, they're always looking at merchant needs and, and sort of gaps in terms of what our core platform offers. And they're literally going and finding the tools that will bridge those gaps. Um, I just looked at a, a competitor's marketplace the other day, and they had something like, oh, I want to say like 8,000 apps. And I just think to myself, well, do I trust that every single app here is vetted and um, checked and cleared and meets a certain level of uh, a certain standard of quality? Um, I'm not sure, especially since I know how small that team is, <laughs> that that is happening. But, you know, in, in the Woo marketplace, we absolutely have those types of checks. Um, I think in the future, uh, we not only from a product standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint, can do a better job of expressing, you know, how one might customize beyond just selecting um, options that are uh, in our marketplace. You know, I think that's a mix of bringing to life in product what some of the most common customizations are. And I think, you know, that is hopefully something that can be um, captured in some of the blocks that we're continuing to release throughout the year. Um, I think the other part of that is just it's it's content and education and like, hey, are you looking to do this? It's a it's a blog post about if you're if you're trying to solve a specific problem and offering up options from that range from like the the package, just click a button and add this now to I want to add custom code and I need to do something else. So um I would say there's a range of options. <laughs> uh, so keep your eye out for what's coming. But I, I sense you, you you bear the responsibility of that, of nurturing the, the client to success. So. And Claire, you say like customization is one of the things that really sets you guys apart. And and definitely, you know, like with my training hat on, I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. Because there's a lot more to train on WooCommerce than, let's say, Shopify for customization. But the other thing with my training as well as an agency hat on, what I find is it's the integration because you, you you guys are integrating with so many other things in the WordPress world. You know, I mean, LMSs, uh, directories, membership uh, uh, sites, all of that. And so, you know, from an agency standpoint, when you're looking at what your client needs, a lot of times they do need e-commerce, but it needs to integrate with so many other things, you know? So now you've got integration and customization. So Woo is a lot of times the, the best answer for the client because of that as well, so... Yeah, that's a huge point. And I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up, Robbie, um, because I think that's definitely an area we want to lean into more. And, you know, that's definitely a place where I can see the builder audience, the developer audience helping really amplify that message and amplify what can be offered there. I mean, our community is so generative and productive and um, helpful that, you know, I'd, I'd love for us to all work, work together in terms of um, getting that focus and getting that message out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, boy, I, I have like a million questions in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike is coming here. So do we know if Woo Payments will offer pay in full? Let's hear it. 
Yeah, I'm assuming this is similar to what PayPal's offering, sort of like a buy now, pay later installment financing program. So I will say there's a lot of discussion. And that's definitely something that we'd like to that that is a serious consideration for the roadmap in the future. Um, just to give everyone background, I don't know I, if you've speak spoken about WooCommerce payments in in past calls. No, I think that's a that's a great um, if you if you can speak a bit more about that because I know here in the UK it's not available right yet. So <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So um, WooCommerce Payments is a payment solution that we launched for the platform about a year ago. We're actually coming up to our one-year birthday on the 19th. And so we've uh, been available only in the U.S. to date. Um, But it's been really exciting from our perspective because what WooCommerce Payments offers that is different from, you know, when you attach Stripe or PayPal or Square to your platform is we offer a fully integrated experience for yourself, the merchant, and as well as, you know, a seamless checkout experience for shoppers. And so more tactically, what that means is, um, you know, I think right now, if you're using a, a one of our partner extensions, to be able to um, take an action, to be able to action like a chargeback or to respond to a dispute or to uh, manage recurring revenue, um, you're likely having to log into a third party site. And we all know that means another username, another window, another um, password that if you're like me, you probably forgot. So you probably have to go through (laughs) the password recovery process every single time. Um, And so what we're offering is the opportunity to manage all of this within your WooCommerce dashboard. And so what that means is, you know, you can go into your back end, look at your orders, look at your analytics, um, track your business, and then jump into the payments tab. And you can easily see how people are paying, what those transactions look like. You can instantly deposit funds into your own account. And you can sort of manage all of the standard um, payment activities. We've had a really exciting last four months. You know, we've um, in the summer, we introduced um, compatibility and integration with WooCommerce subscriptions. So if you're someone who has recurring sales, automatic recurring sales on your site, and, um, you know, you're looking to have that view as part of your payments backend, like you can now do that. It's very, it's very straightforward, in my opinion, and very clear. Um, The other thing is, uh, in March, we announced multi currency, which makes it easier for cross border sales and selling around the world and being able to express currency in in the currency of the buyer. Um, And hopefully that's, you know, or, or we've at least we've seen data that that is something that helps the whole sales process. Um, in April, we launched Apple Pay and Google Pay. So those are two versions of um, accelerated checkout that make everything faster for a shopper to buy on your store. This month, we're really focused on instant deposits. And so that's, you know, if you're operating a supply chain, or if you have sort of like a tight uh, cash need, you literally hit a button and you can have your funds deposited into your account instantly. And then we've got a lot planned for for upcoming months as well. So, um, you know, Ronald alluded to international expansion. That's something that we're super excited about and definitely planning for this year. Um, And uh, we're also um, looking at 
in-person payments. So there's a lot to get excited about going forward. There's a lot that we've done, um, but uh, I would say any sort of buy now, pay later or financing plan is absolutely in consideration for, for the future. Perfect. As this leads totally into a question that I have then. WooCommerce recently invested in PeachPay. How will that actually play out? Certainly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting the, the insanely big picture, but at least on the marketing side, you know, <laughs> you, you're already using Stripe and PeachPay is built on top of Stripe, but, you know, other infrastructure, it, it, you know, is there a plan to do anything with that? Or is that just sort of a side investment? We'll see what we're doing. And I guess, you know, tinkering on the WooCommerce side, is there going on? Or is that really just, you know, something to the side? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. Uh, to be really honest, I wasn't part of the original decision team, but I, I do see the conversation. I would say it's it's a bit more on the side right now. <laughs> uh, we've definitely had some Q&A with the Peach Bay team. Um, you know, I think we're both trying to figure out whether there might be a situation where one plus one equals three. Definitely, we're trying to figure that out, whether there's an opportunity to do joint marketing. From a product side, I can't really speak to any of that right now, or at least I, from what I see, the conversation hasn't really gone there yet. But I think we're you know, just happy to have them as someone to have conversations with and uh, someone to watch. So, Clara, you said that you're looking at in-person payments, too. Will this involve some sort of hardware or will it interface with other point-of-sale hardware that's out there? Thoughts? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to steal the team's thunder, but um, that would echo a lot of the conversations that are being had internally. Uh, this is the place to make the thunder. <laughs> so right. What model makes happen here explodes across the universe. So <laughs> happening better say it here. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, like I, what I've learned at WooCommerce is there are so many ideas and and it's hard to commit on, on future things. But, you know, the conversation is definitely happening. People are definitely looking into things. And so, you know, nothing's announced until it's announced. But these are definitely areas of interest in, in term in addition to the question about, you know, uh, uh, the buy now pay later. If we can stick to acquisitions, uh, MailPoet, uh, a recent one, I suspect this has got quite a sizable marketing team. How do you absorb their team with, with your uh, marketing or will they remain separate for MailPoet or how do you collaborate? That's a great question. So we have integrated the marketing team and the marketing team was one person. <laughs> so I love that you thought it was a larger team. I think that he or she did an amazing job if that's the case. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm going to have to pass that feedback on to Laura. She is phenomenal. She she crushes it. I do know Laura as well, actually. She's from ah, good. Brighton, so, good, yeah. good. Yeah, it was. it's pretty incredible because it's it's just her. And I love that, that it feels like it's more. But it's just her. And she's she's definitely been part of the team for several months here. And um, we love having our, her on board. I think, um, you know, in, in terms of the larger team, the leadership of MailPoet is now part of Woo Leadership meetings and there's just a an open very open dialogue hey i've known kim for a while and and i personally use MailPoet all the time so i thought that was a great move on the woocommerce side and i, I am curious to see how that will expand into the day-to-day -day intricacies of you know email marketing uh in a store environment boy any other uh, acquisitions on the woocommerce side that we don't know of Clara? <laughs> 
I will say there is always a running list and um, our M&A team is super diligent and they're, they're usually looking at several at a time. So, you know, for me, every, every one that we um, do pursue very seriously, um, I would say we look at a lot, but the ones that we pursue very seriously um, have to have a very, there needs to be a very clear path forward together. And so I would say once you get into that part of the funnel, they are, they are few, but that is definitely a, a key priority for the team. Curious when it gets to that, you know, that sort of like top level of engagement, wh- where does product marketing and development actually, or is it really just so separated that something magically happens? It's like, hey, Clara, by the way, we just acquired, you know, Mail Poet or invested in Peach uh, Pay, you know, and where is your team involved in that process? Yeah, the vision, the vision or the long-term vision as part of that bigger acquisition. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And what I really love about WooCommerce internally is we have such a great sort of like go-to team for this kind of stuff. Um, you know, as you can imagine, acquisition interests and requests come up really quickly and they have very strict deadlines you know, you've got to have your a certain set of meetings, and then your questions in by a certain date, then you receive the data you're asking for, and you have what feels like way too little time to analyze it. <laughs> um, 48 hours sign the LOI, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's great to be in a situation where there is a team that, um, you know, is can, can just really jump into things and, and focus. Um, I would say from a marketing standpoint, we're really interested in, you know, how the, the customer base and how that overlaps or complements our own. So the ways that we look at the customer base include geographical coverage, geographical spread. Um, we also look at uh, how generative or productive the stores are. So, you know, let's say if it's another e-commerce platform, then it's, you know, on an average annual basis, how much GMV is a store generating, you know, what kind of industries do they cover? Who are their top merchants, basically? And and what are those stores doing? Is there any niche in the market that that this platform has really anchored to and is really killing it? So we look for areas of strength, we look at complementary slash overlapping uh, customer bases. And because my background is product marketing, um, I often also look at product and I look at it from a customer perspective. So I say we definitely have product and technical teams that look at it from a, like a development and a technical standpoint. But, you know, I look at it from a customer standpoint, you know, if they're offering a bundle of services. Do I think it's compelling? Why have they done that? Or if they're planning to do something around, if they're planning a big push for, you know, larger customers, and, and it's all based on sort of a uh, an omni-channel strategy. What are the investments that they've made in that space? Um, have they acquired someone? What does their roadmap look like? And you know, how can I make it something that's more than just words on a slide? Because that's what you're always trying to get to. Is like you look at the charts on the slides, and they're like they're pretty fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, as someone who's who's helping the team due diligence, um, it's you know, what is what tangibly is behind those words? Is it some sort of expertise? Is it did you acquire technology? Have you actually been building this uh, building this roadmap for years and it just you know hasn't launched yet? Those are the types of questions that I would I would want to know because anyone can create a beautiful graph <laughs> of, of what being, they expect for the future. Yes, being in a, a position like Mel Poet found itself is of course amazing. But if you are a, a product developer, maybe you, you're looking to enter into the Woo 
ecosystem, maybe just started a plugin, even even way before that. What advice do you have to you know maybe some of the the key elements to to take or to focus on to to make it and potentially be acquired by automatic or WooCommerce? Well, I'm I'm gonna come at this from a. You you might sorry you might have to take off your WooCommerce hat for a moment. I just sort of <laughs> more of a with a marketing hat. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely what I was gonna say. Is I, I will come at this from a marketing standpoint. What I personally find most compelling about a product is when it's really created with customer need in in mind. And so what I like to see is like you know less breadth and more depth. Uh, and what I mean is, um, you know, have you focused on this one problem and just really introduced an elegant, simple, easy solution that reflects an understanding of the customer's true need? You know, I think we've all seen products out there, you know, plugins, extensions, consumer products, anything, you know, you've always seen products that are just kind of like patched together you know, modified from, from one thing into to, to suit a different need. And uh, what I love to see generally is that the extension that you're, you're or the thing that you're creating uh, really does meet a real need in the market. Secondly, that it introduces an elegant solution. Uh, and thirdly, um, I always look at reviews. So I like to see it sort of that you know, it's not just about market share or numbers. Like I love to see that you've won the hearts of, of those that you're trying to serve. And so, you know, the, the amount of passion that comes through in reviews or when I talk to a merchant or when I uh, connect with someone else who's in the community um, and there's this love for a brand or this story about like, hey, it really it really made my, my work a lot easier or it, it boosted my sales by 40% or, you know, it changed how I think about my business and it changed the opportunity for me. Like that's to me extremely powerful. I want to dig in just a little bit on that. Can you define elegant solution? <laughs> uh, again, I'm looking very much from from the customer perspective. So I can't speak to, you know, the code or what's happening in, in the development end of things. But, you know, if I am someone who uh, has a store and I've just attached your extension to it, I want to, with minimal guidance, feel confident in my use of it. And so... That's at a very high level how I talk about it. I feel like that may or may not be feasible depending on you know the, the level of complexity of the problem that you're trying to solve. But um, I do think it can be bolstered by really great docs, really great videos, really great how to's. You know, people with Google these days, like people can find guidance out there. And so, but I would always go to, you know, if I'm using something and it's intuitive or it's adapting to like, my skill level or my needs, um, that to me is really beautiful. That's awesome. I really like what you just said about adapting to my skill level or needs. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a great, great point. And I also recognize that's a lot harder to do <laughs> than than what, how I'm saying it. You know, you know, people say like, oh, I want an elegant solution or I want some kind of, I'm like, okay, I know what you want to say so let's just let's just say it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you, Claire. <laughs> well, thank you for the question. I appreciate that. Brilliant. Um, branding. How important is branding for new products? Do you, do you think that is a should developers focus on that more? Is you know building a brand and a community around it? Because you talked a little bit about the, the the hearts and souls of of the user to to win that. So that, that's quite a you know an, an interesting angle to you know you you solve a problem, but then certainly you have to you find yourself having to build 
a whole system community brand branding all around it yeah it's probably more than most developers bargain for I think branding is important, but it's definitely not the most important thing. Um, and I would say brand can come through a lot of different avenues. You know, I think very in very traditional marketing, brand is a set of advertisements or it's a, a logo or an asset or, you know, a very creative feel, look and feel about things. Um, for me, brand comes from experience. So what is what is a user's experience with your product? How did it make them feel? Uh, some of the visual and creative things I mentioned earlier can complement that and certainly help a user feel more positively about a certain a certain product. But I would always I would always lead on brand from from the experiential standpoint. With that said, I don't want to deter anyone from investing in brand. I think if it's um, what I'd what I, I've always seen brand as as an asset, you know, worked at companies where brand was considered like a, a, a generative thing on the balance sheet, just like anything else. Um, and I love that. I love that standpoint on things. And so, you know, I am I am someone who believes in brand, um, but I also think it, it shouldn't be the only thing. Well, yeah, if I, if I if I had the greatest experience ever and I can't remember who gave it to me. then nope. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes I feel like brand gets ahead of development, though. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that. If you're not careful. I love that you you both, uh, Robert and Robbie, mentioned like the the opposite ends of stuff, because I'm with you, too. There definitely has to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Clara, do you have, because um, now you've got three people. Experts. Experts, yeah. <laughs> and then we have one, uh, especially in hosting as well. Do you have questions for, for us and maybe for the for the people tuning in. I do. And I don't know if we have enough time for them, but I do have questions. Um, we will make time. Yes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> you know the rules of Woo panel. <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> we were chatting earlier about um, the the competitive market, sorry, the competitive advantage that Woo has in the market. And, you know, we talked a bit about this idea of customization. Um, and I would like to do a better job. I would like us Woo marketing to do a better job of turning customization into benefits. That's something that we're working on. But sort of the second area that we are thinking about a lot is this idea of security, privacy, owning your data. Um, you know, I think that is that is a place where we do stand out from some of the other uh, platforms where your data is theirs, <laughs> um, and and you are the product. Um, and so, you know, that is I think an area of opportunity that I that I think we need to flesh out a little bit better, especially, you know, just trends in the world you see in the media, you know, people are jumping off certain social media platforms um, and messaging, messaging apps because they feel so passionately about that sort of privacy and security. And so, you know, I'm really curious, you know, whether that elicits any sort of response from the team here or any thoughts. Personally, you're preaching to the choir. I think that the more opportunities around that, the better consumers are going to make that decision and they're pushing for it, which I think is fantastic. And you, you know, you see Apple reacting to it. I mean, they can always say they've always been a privacy company, yada, 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 but really they're also hand in hand with, you know, the consumers who kind of want that. I mean, there's, there's a type of consumer that's really demanding it. And Apple's like, we're going to lean into this because why not? Not only does it help the people who really want it, It'll actually empower people who just accidentally want it or aren't paying attention to it. And 
there were actually a couple of articles uh, just today at, uh, across some sites about, you know, I'm going to run with this Apple theme because that's it's it's really the good one to go with that the Clara knows Apple. <laughs> you know the 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 the, the tracking opt in features. Uh, what's it called? ATT advertising tracking transparency. I think mm-hmm. uh, that 95 percent of people have opted out of being tracked by some of these social media people. I won't mention Facebook by name, um, but you know that's obviously the big fight. So it will compel people to provide valuable, meaningful content to the end user to be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll be now more sticky with you, Facebook or WooCommerce or whoever. Uh, I only think that benefits end users at the end of the day that, okay, you know, whenever you get one of these little roadblocks in the way or big roadblocks, yeah, you, you need to start thinking outside the box and innovating again. You know, some of these things, companies have gotten lazy about. So I'm thrilled about any way we can kind of put these challenges in front of people and say, well, we really want to do this, which is protecting the consumer, the end user. Mm-hmm. Good for your company because you still have to make money, but also now accidentally benefits the end user. Oh, totally. You know, I, that reminds me of something, um, an ad I saw from HP a while ago, several years ago, and it was um, it's called The Wolf. And it's <laughs> like a long form video starring Christian Slater. And it's about secure printing. Who thinks about secure printing on a daily basis? Probably not many people. Who thinks about printing on a daily basis? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But, you know, the way that they illustrated the problem in this uh, video was so compelling because you realize, especially for those who used to or or do work in an office, you realize like, oh, my gosh, like I do do that. Like I do send personal stuff to the printer and I do print my text forms in a shared, you know, situation or, or, you know, or um, the, the use cases that they drew up were so common and so relatable. And then to have Christian Slater narrating them obviously is awesome because <laughs> he's stunning. Um, but uh, you know, it was, a, it was kind of an incredible, you know, making people aware of like, Oh my gosh, like this, this is a problem. So Robert, I love what you're saying about like, people who sort of like unintentionally realize that it's important later and, and, you know, creating that foundation for them and helping them understand like, actually this is, this is really important. Do you have this conversation Robbie with your clients? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was just, I see Zach is saying the same thing too. It's absolutely, it's a, it's, it's something. So again, if I have training and agency hat on here, you know, if, if you're training someone and they're going through a little mom and pop store and they're going to pop up their own, there's a lot more training that has to go into if they're going to do a WooCommerce store, right? I mean, we've got to start with hosting, domain name, these kind of things, right? That they may not have it. They go do a SaaS product that's out there. Um, and so for some of them, it may be easier to go with an easier route to start with. And then hopefully they make more money. And we always say, then you want to move on up to something that's more customizable, right? Um, if there's a, a company that comes to you and says, uh, yeah, here, <laughs> We want you to do this. Well, I would absolutely want them. And that's part of the reason why they're coming is they want to have that ownership of of everything of theirs. Right. But they do. They possibly need guidance on how to make sure I'm going to own it all, but I need to make sure that it is safe. You know, I need to know that I'm at a host that is going to provide the security that I need. I need to make sure that I'm not moving data around from that host to some back end system that is open to the world. Like there's there's a. There's a lot more to it to own your own, 
but definitely it's more valuable to own your own. It's safer to own your own. No one wants to be held hostage with their data. And we've seen SaaS products in the past that have done that, right? I mean, even down to cell phones used to be that way, right? I mean, you know, your phone number was stuck with that one service provider until they deregulated and things like that, you know? And so we've, I think everyone has experienced this kind of um, data uh, handlock somewhere. And so that is something that is a concern on the agency side. When we talk to clients, it is always a concern that the clients bring it up even before we bring it up now at this point. So I think people do understand that their data is important and they may not want to just put it any old wear out there. And so I think I think that even some of the smaller clients, they have that understanding and maybe it's because they've been you know, like, I mean, some of our clients are like, and I only use QuickBooks on my PC in this room right here. And it's not on the wow. cloud. And you know what I'm saying? So, you know, people do understand data security, I think, and data ownership. So I do think that that, in other words, for marketing, I definitely think that that is a route that you guys should go because I think people are thinking about it, but they're not educated about it. So they have questions. And so that's what your marketing needs to do is answer those questions for them, right? I mean, agencies, we're doing it, but what about those 60% that don't, don't, didn't go to an agency? They're going to have the same questions, most likely. Yeah, that's incredible feedback. I, I really appreciate that. I, I'm glad to hear. And, um, you know, this gives me a lot of fire to, uh, you know, excite the team about going forward. Hey, guys, new project. <laughs> <laughs> call, call up Christian Slater. <laughs> I know. Can we can we get him for our video? That's right. Gosh, that would be amazing. I, I got like two little less. I know we're, we're we're running down the clock. I got two little last things. First, uh, I want to meet all of Robbie's Air Gap clients because that's just so like 1987. You know, keep it in a separate room, no internet connection, no Wi-Fi, <laughs> all that Air Gap. Um, hey, we have clients that still have their assistant print out their emails and and read them on paper. Oh wow! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get Christian Slater and the Secure Printing in. That's printing. <laughs> exactly. I, I wonder if they're using Secure Printing for those emails. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask. Very important. <laughs> Good question. Consumer experience around all of this. But let's not forget, there's a huge re regulatory environment around that. Obviously, GDRP a few years ago, mm -hmm. kicking that you know rock straight down the hill. I mean, everyone's going to be rolled over by it. So consumers might be you know, happy about this, feel more secure about their experience. That's great. But it's also going to hit, you know, merchants, you know, dead in the head that you, you have to be aware of what's going on, especially if you want to ship and do uh, e-commerce, you know, outside of your, you know, five mile radius. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And I'm, I'm no GDPR expert myself. I'm thankful that there are <laughs> team members <laughs> in my team who know it better and team members like uh, Laura and Gareth who are based in the UK. But yeah, it's, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely an ongoing concern. We do our best from a content standpoint to educate, but yeah, I, I really empathize with, you know, especially that sort of solo merchant who um, is just trying to probably stay on top of their business and, and get things done. And in the meantime, you know, you've got like all these rules and regulations that are just can change at any point. You know, we empathize with that. And so we we try our best from a content standpoint. You know, there's probably some product opportunities or other types of opportunities. And so I, I appreciate that note. But I, I have one comment about uh, focusing too much on data and the insecurity and, and you know, scaremongering at the beginning of onboarding of, of things that, you know, should be done right or can go wrong and so on. Aren't you focusing too much on the, you know, on the dangers rather than the, you know, the, the, the customization sort of coming back to it and the, the possibilities and the opportunities that you can 
create with WooCommerce versus some other platforms? Oh, yeah, I would see them as uh, non-competing priorities. And so, you know, right now, I think we're leading with customization. Uh, and we intend to continue to lead with that. Um, and then the 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 conversation around privacy and security is, to me, it's also an important one and, and one that is uh, will require a bit of work. But, you know, I see that as a supporting point. Sure, yeah. Lots of things happening around that as well. Only today I spoke with somebody on uh, sort of an anonymous verification, you know, alternative to Facebook and Google, which doesn't quite fit with, with e-commerce, but, you know, it has potential to grow into something like, uh, you know, as an alternative. So a lot of conversation around it. This is really great. I think we could speak for, for many more hours. I, there's a list of questions I was not able to, ar- to ask you, Clara. I was going to say, I think we're going to have to have Clara come back on the round table. <laughs> this is a teaser episode. You know, episode one will actually happen in two or three months. <laughs> yes, no, this is just a warm-up. Are we, are we live? <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed this. And I, I think, too, you know, there, there are many other perspectives on the marketing team. Um, and so, you know, I'm always also happy to suggest a, a teammate join and share you know their view on things as well um i think that's it for uh, for this this time so back again with another round table in four weeks time i can't thank you enough clara for your time um, really appreciate it and lots of good um bits of information insights fantastic thank you also thank you robbie and thank you robert um hope to see you all again very soon thank you everyone take care everyone bye bye